Welcome back to the Ever Everything Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cleveland. On today's episode, I sit down with Frankie Russo and Nikki Myers to talk about all the details in running an in-house competition. If you're a gym owner out there, if you're a coach out there, and you're thinking about running a competition, this is the episode for you. So much value. These guys did an amazing job. We just recently had what was called a fall flex off here at NC Fit, and they crushed it. As soon as we were done with the event, I sat down and said, guys, we got to sit down. We got to talk about what you guys did to make this so successful so other gym owners, other coaches can go ahead and utilize these resources and tools. So if you're a gym owner, if you're a coach, this is a must listen. Share with a friend, share with another owner, share with another coach, because I'm telling you, there's so much value. I want to thank Nikki. I want to thank Frankie. I want to thank our entire team for putting on an amazing fall flex off. I hope you guys enjoy this episode and get as much value out of it as I did. Let's go. I don't think we need to turn the heat on. Frankie just got done uh, hitting chat, so he's he's already warmed up. Well, yeah. anyways, here we are. We're, uh, we're at NC Fit. I'm with uh, Coach Frankie and the infamous, the GM, the, the one and only Nikki Myers to talk about how to run an in-house competition. That's the topic of today. Yes. Very excited. <laughs> so this one's going to be really good for the gym owners out there, for the coaches out there who are looking to put on an in-house competition. We just had one that went down here at NC Fit. It was called the Fall Flex Off. We have not done one in quite a while. And so it was great to bring it back. The community was stoked. And, you know, as soon as we were done um, with the event, I, I basically like looked at you guys like, hey, we got to do a podcast about this because I just felt like it went so smoothly I felt like you guys were so dialed. I felt like, you know, one of you guys kind of took front of the house, one of you guys took back of the house. And I'd love to describe best practices, things we thought of, and um, just start diving in of, of what you guys did. So where do you guys want to start? Um, we can just kind of start about the initial idea. Yeah. Um, I know we, Jason, it was initially your idea to have the competition. And you brought it to the staff. And from there, we kind of figured out when we wanted to do it, what we wanted to call it, and who was going to be most in charge of running it. And Nikki and I split the work pretty evenly where she took the back end side of things. Logistically, there's nobody better in the company than Nikki. And so she handled all of that. And then I handled all the front end side of things um, with help from John Capra as far as getting people registered for uh, judging, which was predominantly our coaches, volunteers, and then creating the workouts. Okay, got it. And so why did we call it the fall flex off? It was catchy. It worked out. <laughs> and um, for those of you that do follow the NC Metcon, any of those uh, very clever and witty names, it's just coming out of my head. It's just how my brain works. There, there you Frankie, go. Frankie's the pun master. All right. Well, we're in our new, uh, this is our newest podcast setup, by the way. This is the first time we've actually used it in-house. So I'm pretty excited about this. So let's, 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 let's really talk through some like nuts and bolts of this. So we came with the idea. We wanted to have an in-house competition. We need to bring the community back coming out of COVID. It was really important for us to do this. And like I said, I thought it was flawless. So what should we be thinking about when you're doing an in-house competition? What are things that you think went really well? What are things that went maybe not as well? And what systems and procedures you guys set up ahead of time to make sure basically we could be in the best position to be successful? I can take that one away because I, I did do a lot of the logistics. Yeah. Um, but first and foremost, make a list. You have to make a list. You, you, there will be all of these little things um, that you'll forget along the way and you'll be like, oh, I should closer. Oh, there you go. 
Um, there will be all of these little things along the way that you're like, oh, shoot, I didn't think of that. Or oh. So fortunately, we had the old list from MDV, the, from the NorCal throwdown that we did pre-COVID, and we kind of just improvised and built off of that. Um, some other, you know, things, ways that we wanted to change it up. So we made a list. Frankie and I had a Google Doc that we did together. Um, and then we would just kind of add to that as we saw necessary. But I think that with MDV's list from the NorCal throwdown and then what our ideas for this competition, we had like a pretty set list from the beginning. Um, just a checklist, things that you want to make sure that are they're taking care of competition day so that on competition day you can just focus on the competition focus on the members focus on the scoring focus on the judging you know all of that stuff and there's no other logistics that you forget about yeah so like like what like what's the list I mean, well, i'm looking at a computer add, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at a computer right now <laughs> Funny you should ask that, Jason Kalipa. Here we have our to-do list. Um, some of the, the most basic things, team sign-up. We use Wattify Arena. Um, it does cost money, so maybe not everyone is going to be able to use Wattify Arena. So you just have to figure out a way or a system, a format, so that you can have all of the teams where they can sign up. Um, but Wattify Arena made it very easy. So I do suggest using Wattify Arena. Now, on that note, so let's talk about the teams for a second, and then we'll, we'll pivot back to Wattify Arena. Um, Frankie, why did we decide to go with two men, one fee or a minimum of one female per team teams of three, right? Isn't that what it was? It was. And so just historically, when we've ran in-house competitions, it has been easier to find competitive or males that are wanting to compete and do some sort of throwdown. Yeah. And so we structure the teams like that. We always do team competitions. We're never doing individual and teams. It's just easier. It's more community based. So we always have run it two two males, one female. However, it didn't, wasn't the case this year, but in years past, we have had teams of all males or all females, and they've just been kind of told up front, hey, like you guys can totally compete, you can throw down. It's just, you might not be in the running for that top or those podium positions. Yeah, got it. And then we charged, so this is something I think is a little bit unique for us, and I, I would recommend it for, you know, for gym owners out there, is that we wanted to not lose our shirt on this, but we also wanted to, you know, we wanted to charge because I feel like it has buy-in from members. So instead, like, let's just say you put a team together. We had, it was 32 teams, was it? 32. 32. Yep. 32 teams. So you had 32 teams that filled up the spot. Well, what if someone just said, oh, I'm going to commit to a team, and then they don't really fulfill it. So we, we put a fee on it really to get member buy-in. And then we also, what we did is we took that money and we, we made shirts with it for the event. But we also then donated any proceeds that we made to NIGU, which is the Never Ever Give Up Foundation that supports kids fighting cancer. And so what I felt like was really good is that we got member buy-in with our commitment. And then we also showed them we wanted to do something good with that money. So I, I, I would recommend the way we did it. I thought that was a good way to do it from a, from a financial perspective. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think the money portion of it is important because because of that, we only had, I think, three people that swapped out. Um, we didn't have a lot of dropout. Well, actually, we didn't have any dropouts. No teams canceled, dropped out of it. Um, and I do think that when you put money on the line, and especially when you're donating it, um, you do get people to show up on competition day. It's easy to be like, oh, yeah, I'm totally going to do that. Something comes up. You haven't paid for anything. And you're like, ah, I'll just do it next time. Um, so, yes, we I think we had three teams that switched team members. But other than that, everyone showed up on game day. That's yep. right. That's right. So, you know, first order of business, obviously have a sign-up process. We used Wattify Arena. Um, we thought that they did a good job. Um, shout out to Wattify. I think they do a good job with this particular thing. 
So the first step is how are people going to register? Obviously, you got to figure out, you know, what are the teams? We just talked about that, how we did it. Um, but what's, up, what's next on your checklist? I'm, I'm looking at this. This is a very intimidating checklist here. <laughs> next on the checklist, after I set up Wattify Arena, because we wanted people to get this on their calendars. So we, didn't, we, we did kind of plan this, and I think it was a little over a month. Um, so it, it was a tight timeline. So we wanted to make sure that people put it on their calendars. So first things first is I got the registration link set up so that people at least knew about it. We printed out QR codes. We posted it on our Facebook, on our social pages, um, so that people could save the date for that. Um, and then after that, it was a matter of judges, volunteers, um, people from our staff, whoever from our staff would show up. Um, and then we sent out a sheet for all of them who wanted to do what. Then Frankie went and designated who would do judging, who would do equipment. Um, and then all of our members that were volunteers were just kind of like running around, making sure that everything went smoothly, anything we needed. Like, for example, one of the members did the raffle for the sweet barbell that we yeah, that was auctioned a cool off. Barbell. Um, so yeah, that was the next thing was making sure that we had enough judges, enough people to move equipment and what else was there, Frankie judges and equipment. That was really it. That right? was really all we needed. Yeah. Now for our staff, and I don't know if all gyms would do this, but I do think it's an important note when you have volunteers for our staff that was part time who, who they didn't donate their time. They, they were paid for this activity. Yeah. You know, do you think that's what, do you think that's an absolute necessity or you think it's just something we had to do or what do you think? No, I don't, I definitely don't think it's a necessity. I think that our staff would have volunteered anyways, but it was just like, we wanted to show them that, Hey, your time is important. We do want you to be there and participate in this. So it will be a paid event, but I don't think that you would have any problem getting people to show up. Cause we went to watch one of our coaches in a different local comp and there were tons of volunteers there. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So, you know, from a volunteer judging perspective, you know, Frankie, I saw you on the day of the event, you know, you were kind of, you were definitely running that portion um, you know, Nikki again was doing all, a lot of registration, things like that. What type of best practices do you think would, would be helpful? So you have this volunteer signup list. And then prior to that, we actually used QR codes, which just for a second, I, I think the QR code was a nice touch. I think it was a nice touch because it's easy for a member to walk up to it, scan their phone and then be able to go register or go do whatever they have to do. Now we had to pay for that QR code. I think we paid like, what do we pay for? Like we paid for like 150 of them or something like that. Um, I'm not sure. Well, I think Jordan ended up having to get the membership of the QR code for a year, but that's okay because we are using that QR code for other things. So, you know, the QR code is not free, but it, it does make it so easy. So if you have the website up on your, on like on a poster, it is kind of hard to go on there. I think a QR code just makes it a little bit easier. That was like a little touch that I thought was helpful. So, but let's talk about volunteers and judges, Frankie. I mean, what type of things have you learned over the years, especially working with different groups on that sense? So first and foremost, night before is huge. Set up the night before is really, really important. And going back to what you were saying, we did pay our staff to be there on the day of, but we asked for volunteers the night before to set up. And set up was basically taping out lanes, moving equipment, so the stage floor was completely set, the warm-up area is completely set, and making sure that the first event was set up and ready to go so we could essentially get everybody in there, do an athlete brief, and then get them warmed up. So. Having time set aside after your last class on, let's say, Friday night, if the competition is on Saturday, is really important. Getting between five to ten people together, taping everything out, and having going in with a plan on how you want it to look, how everything is going to be run the day of, so you can set up accordingly. Because not only did we set up for that first event, but we also had all the extra equipment for event two, event three, 
on deck, stage, ready to go. So in between events on game day, it was really, really simple to do. Well, let's, let's talk about that then. So I, I agree, dude, I showed up the, the uh, what, Saturday morning or whatever it was. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is really set up. You know, you guys spent a lot of time on Friday really moving a lot of stuff around, which was obviously a lot of work, but you guys set up lanes. And so it made it really, you know, I think historically CrossFit Games kind of laid the framework for that, which I think was an incredible idea years and years ago. And since then, when we do the open or different things, we, we use these lanes. I think it's good for safety, obviously. But we had three events and one floater, four events if you made it to the final, right? Correct. And one floater workout. So can you just talk me through the workouts, why we did them that way, and the floater workout concept? Because I, I absolutely loved the floater workout, what it was, and I loved like what it represented. So can you talk through like logistically why you chose those workouts? And then from a safety perspective, which is really something I think about a lot, why we chose certain movements the way we did? Absolutely. So when I worked with one of our head coaches, John Capra, building out these, uh, these events and these workouts, we did look at previous uh, competitions that we have run and how they looked, how they worked. But we also wanted to kind of meet three different criteria, making sure it was fun first and foremost, both for the athletes and for um, the people that are coming to spectate, make sure that we were giving everybody movements that were going to be challenging, but also approachable. So we weren't doing bar muscle-ups, ring muscle-ups. I think the highest complexity we saw was a toes-to-bar, right? Or double-unders. Yep. And then making sure that we had the equipment that could be exchanged out fairly quickly, and it wasn't like we were slapping on excessive weights in between um, events. So keeping that in mind, we ran through those different things. We came up with a list, and... The first event was a lift. Everybody always wants to do a heavy lift, throw on a bunch of weight, slap that around, show how strong they are. So that's always going to be the first thing um, that we try to throw into a competition, whether it's the first event or one of the middle events. But throwing it in this first, kind of starting everybody off on a high note was where we wanted to go. Then we ran them through um, a for time workout. That was going to be about 14, 15 minutes. An AMRAP, that was 15 minutes, and then that final workout, which was an all-out sprint. The floater workout was actually MDV's idea from 2019. And in 2019, it was a one-minute max bench press, so sticking <laughs> in that, which I yeah, love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? The only thing it could have been better was like one-minute max bicep curls. But um, so we took that same format, Capra and I, and we ended up doing one minute on, one minute off of max uh, dumbbell, or excuse me, D-ball ground to shoulder. Yeah, I, I like that idea. I mean, one of the things that I would note is that when you are running a competition, something I think about a lot is like bang for the buck, risk of injury. And, you know, when we're doing the heavy lift, we're not doing like a one RM snatch. You made it a complex, which I think is good because then there's limiting factors because there's, it's, it's, you can't go as heavy as you can on a one rep. And then the, the, the floater workout I thought was cool because it's just like a minute. It's a D ball. It's just something different. You can grab a sandbag. You could have done whatever you wanted, but it's like, a short thing that the team kind of found their own time to go do it. And I thought it was really cool. I mean, our parking lot was packed, but it was a cool, like engaging thing for spectators and for people like off the street who were walking by, which I didn't realize at the time. So like what I thought was really cool is like you had people who are going next door to Hobie's, which is, there's a, there's a restaurant there who, as they're walking to go get food, they're like, wow, what is going on? It was a nice, like, it was almost like a promotional uh, effect. You know? yeah, it was like a very happy accident to have it be outside, but the way our Mountain View gym is set up, there was nowhere else we could have done it. So it worked out really well having the floater workout outside. 
Well, so speaking of which, let's let's talk on that. So, you know, m- m- many gym owners have a location. They have to kind of make do with what they have. But I do want to talk about from a facility perspective, we chose um, Mountain View over others. And in particular, um, a major factor for that was the ability to drop weight and parking. Now, we had a lot of people show up and the parking was an issue. But I do think that's a major consideration that if you are going to have an event, how do you think we could have handled the parking better? Like, do you think we could have like shuttled people from somewhere or something like, cause it, cause I mean, you gotta have a lot of parking to have 30. I mean, there was a hundred people there just competing, not to mention their family and friends. Yeah, it, it was hard. Uh, one of our coaches, uh, one of our head coaches, Emily, she sent out a message on our social page saying, Hey, parking lots probably going to be packed. You can park here and told them where down the street they could park. Um, I don't know. Shuttling people in would have been a little bit more, <laughs> I mean, an, add another thing to this list that I already have that's over here. Um, but maybe we could have done a better job of trying to get that out, um, on other platforms. Maybe I could have sent out a Wattify email or something, but Emily definitely told them ahead of time. I honestly was so focused on the competition that I didn't even think about that aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. That was something that I, I didn't take any through. I definitely want to talk about some other stuff, but what's next on your list? Um, next on after judges and equipment, this list is in no particular order. This is not like from most important to least important. It was just like, we were franking our spitball and we need this, 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 this. So we just started adding things to this list. So next was our DJ. We actually have Ooh, a DJ. Yeah, the, are you going to play a tune on your, no. on your, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, I'm such a loud talker. I don't understand no, why beautiful. this keeps this getting perfect. closer to my face. This is our first time using this new podcast space. So I'm just like, uh, I'm moving around the things that the, the view can look good on the camera. Anyways, go ahead. Okay. You look great. Um, thank you. And next was DJ. We actually have a member who is a DJ. So we worked out a few things with him. He came in, set up in the, in the corner, um, played the tunes, handled the MC, the mic and stuff. Um, but yeah, he was awesome. It was great. I thought his, his music and his flow was very good. Yeah. I think that made a big difference. You know, for us, we, we, we did compensate him. I think if you not having a DJ, I think having a DJ, I think just adds another element of like professionalism, engagement. And like, speaking of which we also then had an MC, right. Which is separate from the DJ. So DJ was responsible obviously for the music, kept it, kept it live. But then we also had an MC, which was one of our coaches. So I don't know if you have that underneath your list, but that I thought was a good addition. He was on the the um, volunteer sign up, the or the staff sign up. So yeah. we just I we sent out a calendar invite to all of the staff, seeing who could actually attend, and then from there we designated jobs for them. Got it. So Marvin was our MC. Um, if you're if you're balling on a budget, as Jason likes to say, and you can't do a DJ, I mean the other local comp that we went to where we were watching one of our coaches. I'm going to keep saying this because I was very excited to go to that to kind of see how they ran theirs versus this was the first competition that I was ever responsible for running. Um, I did participate in the one in 2019, but I didn't run it. So they just had, you know, big Bluetooth speakers with a microphone, played music. You can set up your Spotify or whatever. So you you don't have to have a DJ, but obviously, like Jason said, it kind of adds to the atmosphere for sure. For sure. So what's next on your list? Food and catering. Ooh, we, food yeah. and catering. I had something to do with that. <laughs> I thought you were going to... Tap another music. Oh, I should have. Um, food and catering. Obviously, uh, we we really wanted this to be a community event. 
Um, so we wanted people to stick around afterwards and hang out. You know, it is a long day. It's a lot of, I mean, these people are not used to, well, most people are not used to doing this many workouts in a day. So it was a long day. I'm sure they were all exhausted. So we obviously wanted to fuel them, but we also just wanted people to stick around and hang out. Um, so yes, Jason, you, you helped out with the food slash catering yeah. from the, uh, restaurant, the Mexican restaurant next door. Um, and then I ran to Costco. I was responsible for snacks, drinks, things for spectators and for the athletes who may not have brought snacks because they didn't know what they were in for that day. Yeah. I think having snacks, having water is really important because a lot of these guys, they haven't worked out at that intensity with that much volume and just having it available, I think helps in particular, like, you know, what we've seen in the past is sometimes if people have low blood sugar and they, they start feeling very faint and just having available water, um, electrolytes, we had element available. We had this stuff just readily there, bars, things like that. So I felt like it gave us, um, it got ahead of any potential issues, I think earlier on, cause it was just there. Um, so people, if they were feeling a little bit weird, they were able to kind of take something. Um, the other thing I think is we, we, we partnered with the local restaurant because I knew that parking was going to be an issue. I knew that we were going to, you know, kind of bombard the area. So we wanted to give back to our local businesses there. So if you are going to cater in, you know, talk to your local, um, you know, next door restaurant or right down the street and see if you could do something with them. And the way we did this was, you know, after the final event, boom, we, we did it and we did tacos. So you had the different meats and different stuff and people just kind of built their own tacos. I thought it was perfect. I think it doesn't have to be overly glamorous. It just has to be something so that there's an opportunity after the event for people to kind of kick it, hang out and eat. Um, so I, I, that's what we did, yeah. um, which I thought worked out really well. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to Yeti for all the coolers. Yeah. Yeti and, and, and the prizes. Yeah. And for the prizes, um, on top of that, as far as like game day, game day nutrition goes, when we sent out our athlete packets, we talked about best practices, you know, the days leading up to the competition and what you should bring to eat for the competition. So even if athletes were going to bring their own foods, they had an idea of what they should be eating. But even if they didn't bring anything, we still had stuff available for them. So the, the athlete packet, I was, I'm, um, I probably saw it, but I'm unfamiliar. What, what was the athlete packet? I don't think I sent it to you. Oh, shit. I didn't make the cut. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so for the athlete packet, once the way we built the workouts, once they were finalized, um, we tested them with the coaches and we filmed them, which was really cool. It's something we haven't done before for the competitions. Um, shout out to Nick Loera. And we were able to do kind of hype videos. So weeks leading up to the competition, we would release one workout with the hype video on social media. And then on the Facebook groups, we would have one of our coaches talking through the workout, kind of talking logistics. And then we would put movement standards and the workout flow in our Facebook groups. So the athlete packet consisted of basically the structure of the day, schedule from when your athlete check-in is to the final event and food was going to be there. Um, and, that, and then gave uh, an idea of what the workouts were going to be. It gave movement standards, movement or workout flow, all that stuff. And then it also talked about, hey, for your day of nutrition, the day before nutrition, it had maybe um, half a page of what to do, best practices, things like that. So athletes could get this packet. They could see the workouts, even though they've already seen them leading up to the competition. They could see them again. They could pass them out to their teammates. And then they had a little bit of extra information going into the competition. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you're listening to this as a gym owner, as a coach, you might be like, dude, these guys filmed workouts. They sent out these athlete packets. It sounds so in-depth. It's like, yeah, we have a videographer. Yes, we have graphic designers, but you don't have to have all that stuff. You could film this on your iPhone and send this out, or you could send out just a basic email to your members. But 
what we're trying to do is get ahead of any potential issues and potential issues are, you know, when the event doesn't run on time. Well, if we can tell everybody over and over again, starting at this time, this is your heat schedule, et cetera, et cetera. The more we can get ahead of it, the smoother it's going to be on day of. So don't feel like you have to go out there and spend a gazillion dollars on this type of content. You just have to get it done. So what's next on the list, uh, Nikki? Yeah. You don't. They're, at the end of the day, the members are going to have a good time. So, you know, as long as they know the workouts and they know what to expect, it'll 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 be good. But the timeline is very important. Um, next on the list, porta potties. Ooh, this yeah. is a good one. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> the porta potty one, man. I was so not for this. Like, MDV brought it up on a call with our partner gyms. Like, this is like months ago, and I was like, dude, he like he like he like took the time to say, hey, man, this is really important. And I remember like thinking to myself, like, really? Out of all the things he's gonna say this is really important, he's gonna come up with porter bodies after the event? Completely agree. <laughs> yeah, he slacked me about it separately. I was like, I wasn't planning on it, but then it it did work. Yes, it was good. Um, you do have a ton of people. We are, we don't have that many bathrooms, and specifically at that location, we've had some plumbing issues in the past, and we didn't want to deal with that again. So um, we blocked off our bathrooms actually entirely. We just let people go in there to wash their hands. Um, and only directed them to the porta potties because we did not want to run into any plumbing issues. Yeah. So let's talk about porta potties at a competition. This is a this is a super interesting note because when I look at it, I'm like, bro, we have bathrooms. We use this on a regular basis. Why would we ever get porta potties and spend the money on it? And then also, it's kind of kind of second, you know, secondary, right? Like you should be using our restrooms. But you bring up a really valid point. I think our porta potties were like, if I'm not mistaken, six hundred and fifty dollars, and we got two of them, right? It was like six fifty, I think, for both of them. Two or three? Uh, we had two. Oh, two. Two. Inside the the gym, we have two female restrooms and one male restroom plus a urinal, and then the, obviously the sinks, and we have changing rooms and stuff. But at first, I was thrown off by it. But after watching how many people use the restroom, and just how much volume these porta potties received, and then looking at the restrooms and seeing that they stayed perfectly clean because people just went in there to wash their hands and clean up. I think it was a brilliant, brilliant idea. And I, I cannot emphasize how much I think we actually saved because if we had one plumbing issue, you're looking at thousands of dollars and people didn't seem to really care. Like it, it wasn't that big of a deal. As long as they had a place, like after they went to the restroom, whatever, they were able to go and wash their hands. I think they were good to go. Yeah. yeah. That was literally the only issue that people brought up is they'd like, I'd like to wash my hands. So yeah, we, yeah. we did have hand sanitizer. We weren't making people not do it, but then it was like, oh, okay, this is a good idea. Let's just open the restrooms up so people can wash their hands. So shout out MDV. None of us thought it was necessary, but you were, you right. were right. Yeah. The porta potty was a good call. Um, what's next? Next on the list, comp shirts. So we do have a designer and <laughs> I worked with him. I sent him some lovely clip art that he turned into a beautiful shirt. It was so fire. Um, <laughs> I won't say slaps, but it was awesome <laughs> because he, it was really my vision. Not, it wasn't my, sorry, I'm not trying to take any credit from Fiddy. I had this She's vision in my head and he nailed it perfectly from some shitty clip art that I sent him. So shout out to Fiddy. Um, but that was the other thing. The comp shirts was actually like at the top of my list because I had to get those into our designer and then off to the, the people to print it Yeah. So, because otherwise they wouldn't have been there competition day. And I needed them to be there on competition day. Like this is one of the things that people really look forward to is like the shirt. And then they saw the design on our menu boards and they were like, Oh, that design is awesome. They loved it. The shirt was a hit. So um, we, we, I wanted that to be the first thing out the door for sure. It's pretty shocking how stoked people get off a t-shirt. 
Um, but I think it's well worth the investment from the company. Like you're looking at 10 to 12, maybe $15 a shirt, whatever it is. And you know, our, our company on this particular case, we ended up spending money because we donated, uh, you know, we spent it in a good way. But the point I'm trying to make is that if you had charged for the team, you probably could make a few bucks or be even, even if you did the food and the, the, the shirts and all that stuff. And I think the shirts, it's a huge branding play for you. And it looks super clean. Like when you walk in, all the volunteers are wearing one color shirt, all the athletes are wearing another or, or they're whatever, you know, or they take one home. I thought that was a great idea. So I would highly recommend it. You just, there is a lead time on that. So you want to make sure you get on that as soon as possible. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, next is, I already said drinks and athletes for the judges. Um, the Wattify arena kind of setting that up more in depth. So originally I just created the registration page because I just, I wanted it to, I wanted the members to save the date. I wanted them to mark their calendars from there. I went into a deeper dive into Wattify arena and shout out to Wattify. I probably sent them 72 emails, um, trying to figure out how like certain things I just didn't know how to work. I had never used Wattify arena. Um, so it made it really seamless, made the scorecards, printed out the scorecards, um, made sure that we had the packets ready for the athletes the, the day that they showed up with their scorecards because they would take their scorecard. Oh, here we go with the lights. Do these lights. Keep going. Keep going. They would go get their scorecard. They would get their athlete packet. They would then take their scorecard and hand it to the judge. And then they were responsible for bringing the scorecard back to me who would then input their scores. This was all done through Wattify Arena. It made it very simple. I don't know if there's other programs out there. Like I said, this is the first time I was responsible for running the competition. Um, but Wattify Arena, the way you do it is you put it in, you can set the workouts to release on certain days. So then when the, you know, when we drop the workouts on social and whatnot, then we would release the workouts through Wattify Arena and they could go on the registration link and look at the workouts again if they wanted to. Um, so set the workouts for particular days, did the scorecards on there. And then it also ran the heats for you, which was again, very helpful because that helped us stay moderately close to our timeline. I'm not going to lie. We did run over a little bit. Like by 15 minutes. Yeah. There was like one little glitch in one of the uh, heats that the timing, the time wasn't correct. And Frankie and I actually didn't notice it when we were looking through it. Um, so I think that's where the, the mix up was, but it's, it put out all of the heats for you. It had all of the teams, um, adjusted in RX in those heats. And then they could just come up to the menu board before they were going to run their before they were going to run their heat or whatever and see their heats and then also see like the, the current standings and whatnot. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask about is, so you had the volunteers, the judges, et cetera. And I wanted to get into the safety thing with the toes bar, which we could talk about. But before that, um, I saw in the beginning, you know, judges or the athletes would take their scorecard and then bring them to you and you would input it. So basically what did that flow look like? And was it good? <laughs> Well, it was a little messy at first. <laughs> Again, I, this was my first ever competition, so I wasn't sure of the flow. And I was like, oh, shoot, I need to get their scorecards to me. And a lot of the judges were still judging. You know, the, the goal was to have judges swap out. You'd have a, a teammate and you'd swap every heat. Well, some judges did end up having to judge back-to-back -back heats, so they wouldn't have been able to get me their scorecards. So I asked our MC, make sure you keep announcing, bring the scorecards to me. Um, I mean, I don't... I, maybe you could have judges that would bring them to you if you definitely had people swapping out. Somebody had brought up the fact of like, are we concerned that they're going to bring their own scorecards up? Yeah, and I was like, like absolutely like not. Cheat it. Yeah. So in, in hindsight, that is an area of improvement. We could have communicated with the members that after you're done with your heat and you get your scorecard, go bring it to X, have, designate one person and go bring it to Nikki. Yeah. yeah. And after the first heat, we figured it out and it was pretty seamless from there. Yeah. yeah. I, I did have to chase a few people down, but... 
Yeah, but it's fine, right? It's totally fine, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and, you know, you, I, I didn't publish the scores until I had everyone's scorecards, so I knew exactly who hadn't turned in their scorecards. So I would either run and get them or I'd send somebody else to get them. And then once all of the scores were in, then I'd publish them, and then that would kind of rank you where you were after each heat. Yeah, so we have a TV in the gym. I think it's a nice addition. But one of the things I want to touch base on, Frankie, is you had these teams of, you know, two men, one female in general. Um, you also had a, a more prescribed or... I think, yeah. And then you had an adjusted version. And so I'm curious, like, do you think that that was the best way for us to go? And then we had, you, we, we did crown champions. Like we had first, second, third. Um, we had prizes from our, our friends over at Yeti. Um, what do you think we did right there? Do you think that's the way to do it? You do the scale, do you do the RX, and then you give out prizes for first, second, third? Yeah, I definitely think that's the way to go. I think, you know, with the RX and the adjusted, um, a lot of our athletes were hesitant to sign up for the RX because as soon as you think RX, you think heavy squat snatches, bar muscle ups, ring muscle ups, all these like handstand push ups, high scale movements. And just going back to what we were talking about earlier, we tried to make it as approachable as possible to everybody. So we still added complexity, but in a way that, you know, the intermediate plus athlete could go into the RX category and still feel really confident. The heaviest barbell we had was a 225, 155 deadlift. The highest skill movement we had was the toes to bar and the double unders. So we had some athletes that weren't, were kind of on the fence and me and other coaches were pushing those athletes to go into the RX category saying like, look, you're going to be fine. You can do that RX category. And other athletes were just filtered right into the adjusted from there. If they're like, I cannot do double unders, I cannot do toes to bar. Awesome. Then you can go into the adjusted. I have some toast bar. You should be going RX. Got it. Yeah, and one of the things I, I just want to note from my observation is, you know, I think that level of complexity is good. I think there's good to have some complexity, not too, too much, especially under fatigue. So when I looked at all the events you guys did, I thought it was great. I think a D-ball, all good. I think for the final event, the final event was like a double under um, uh, thruster assault bike. And the reason why I, I like that format of like a double under uh, thruster and bike is that you get a little bit of complexity with the double under a little bit. You get like a, a fatigue with the thruster and then you try and just bang it out. And it was conga line, right? So you had like three people and they went one, two, three. But when you're at the final event, when you're fatigued, when you're tired and you're really throttling it, I think movements that are like very light body weight or like an assault bike or a row are great options there because you have these people that are hitting fatigue levels that they have not experienced before. And if they're doing that at like more complex skills, I just, I think you're setting them up for more risk of injury than you needed to. So I think as a final event, I think doing something where you finish on like a bike or a burpee or a, a whatever, I, I think is a better way to go than to finish on something like a clean and jerk or something like that. Um, so I thought you guys did a really good job with that. Now, the one thing that I noticed when I was walking around that made me nervous is the toe to bar. That, out of all the movements we did, was the one that I felt most intimidated by because typically when people get very fatigued on a toe -to bar, they start to lean back, and when they lean back too far, they could lose the grip and fall on their back. So the things that I, I liked, and obviously, Frankie, I want to get your opinion on this, is you know removing any box or anything that's behind somebody. I, I, it's just, it just is a recipe for disaster. If they're stepping on something and then staying on top of it, I just think that's unnecessary. They could step and then go to the side. And then the other thing was talking to the judges immediately and be like, guys, watch out for their fingers. As soon as you start to see their fingers start to slowly go back, just have them stop. It's just not worth it, you know? So that's, that, that's an area 
that we had to pay attention to. Yeah, and just to give context to what Jason's talking about, the workout that we had them do is we had two team we had two teammates doing twenty toes to bar while one partner was holding on to the rig from a dead hang, and then deadlifts while one partner was doing was holding on a kettlebell. So it was a very grippy workout. And when we tested it, you know, with all the coaches, we agreed, yeah, that was really grippy. But with coaches comes more experience. And so we know when to hop off the bar, when, you know, we need to. Um, a lot of the time our athletes, even though they know it in a competition setting, they're willing to sell their soul for those extra couple reps so they can get a little bit faster, they can go a little bit more. And that's just something that we really didn't think about when we were finalizing these workouts. Um, you know, still inherently safe, but we did need to kind of pivot after that first heat and make sure that athletes knew, hey, if you know, you're know you feeling like you're gonna fall off or your hands or your grip is about to be shot, you need to come off that bar now. We told the judges that they needed to tell their athletes if it looks like your hands are getting like a little shaky on the bar, we're gonna have you hop off, shake it out, and make sure that you are being safe. Um, Jason was walking around talking to some people as well. And so just, you know, making sure that the area is as safe as possible, like you're saying, eliminating those boxes, and then making sure that there's clear communication between the judges and the athletes that if we're gonna tell you to stop, you need to stop. And then just set that line of communication. Yeah, yeah, I think I think just reminding the judges right before that heat, I think was a, was the, the step that helped us. Because mm -hmm. now all of a sudden, you know, cause there was a rower involved too, right? Like there was, and we tested this, actually Frankie and I tested this workout. And so we knew what it felt like and it's just, I think what was good is right before each heat, just reminding the judges, hey guys, the like the meat, the meat on the bone here is the tota bar. Really pay attention to that. The other stuff, yeah, count reps, blah, blah, blah. But from a safety perspective, this is the key. Um, I just wanted to bring that up because I thought that's an important note that you have to consider when you're designing these workouts. You have to assume that these athletes are putting themselves in a competition mindset that for a lot of these people have not done anything physical from a competition perspective, either since high school or if ever, I mean, you have some people that come in who say, I have not competed in a physical fit, like physical activity my whole life. Mm -hmm. And when they get into that setting, their adrenaline's pumping. We just got to be aware of it. That's all. Yeah. And we, you know, even though we set that con that, that tone after the first heat, we got no kickback from any of the athletes. Actually, we had some athletes even thank us yeah. for like looking out for their safety. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what's next on the list, Nikki? I would just like to add in that those athletes that have never done any sort of physical competition or any sort of competing in their life are oftentimes the ones that really enjoy it the most oh. because mm -hmm. it's like, oh my gosh, I've never felt like that before. The adrenaline rush, it's it's just really fun to see um, how excited some of the members are about doing this type of competition. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you guys got it, but you know, it has been a few years since we did an in-person competition and I'm just so grateful we did it because number one, it just brings the community together. Uh, number two, it, it really gives our members an opportunity to mentally and physically get to levels that they haven't experienced before and providing that outlet is just very rewarding for me. You know, people walked away and they felt empowered. They felt more confident. They felt all these, all these things you get through competition. And especially for the people that don't have exposure to that before, I mean, I, I, it, it's cool to experience. Yeah, and for it, sure. It brought together a lot of members that don't traditionally work out together or know each other because, you know, at both of the gyms uh, at Mountain View was Zach's idea to write up a list of like, hey, if you're looking for a team, write your name on the board and we'll try to connect you with people, right? It wasn't, you know, 
um, always the perfect fit, but we were able to match almost everybody that wrote their names on the board with somebody else, even if they've never met that person, even if they went to a different gym or they go to a different time. And so it allowed for some friendships to be made as well, whether it's different times of the day or across the gyms. Dude, yeah. love it. One of our winning teams was two Mountain View members and a Campbell mm -hmm. member. That's cool. Yeah. Um, next on the list was awards and prizes. This was another Ooh. thing that... <laughs> Yeah, no, go ahead. Hit. Lean forward. I think you're going to hit the, hit I, the I sound wanted, effects. I got a few more sound effects. <laughs> yeah, I just haven't used them. Use something else. We, we got a brand new uh, shout out to Rode, Rodecaster, and I'm still learning how to use it, but they have a bunch of buttons. The only one that I know for sure is that ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. It's very nice. It's beautiful with all the colors. Um, awards and prizes. This was another thing I wanted to get out the door pretty quickly because, again, when you have a wait time um, on getting things, you don't want it to be delayed and then not be there by the day of the competition. I am very type A. I don't like to hand off responsibilities to anyone. I would prefer to just do it myself because I know it'll get done right. So having these things like be in the hands of somebody else is a little um, hard for me, but uh, I stalked Jason about the awards and prizes. So Yeti, shout out Yeti. They sent us some water bottles that for first, second, and third on both teams. So, I mean, that's three, six, nine, 18 prizes that we needed from them that they sent to us, which is pretty awesome because that's, and you know, it's not like we were like, Hey, can we just get, get a few, a few stickers? It was 18 water bottles they sent us. Um, and then the other thing was rogue made an effort. We customized an effort over everything barbell that we auctioned off. We wanted to do a few, like just fun things for people to do. We did have an assault bike game, but most people didn't want to do that, especially the competitors. They were like, no way, I'm dying out here on this competition floor. I'm not doing this. Um, so we did have the assault bike game, which was most calories in a minute, men and women. And if you won, we had uh, RX jump rope that we gave you. Um, and then the other thing was the effort over everything barbell that was sweet um, that we auctioned off. So we had raffle tickets and people paid for the raffle tickets. I don't, I can't remember what the cost like $5 was. $5 five dollars. Five for one yeah. and then 20 for five maybe yeah. or something yeah. like that. I can't, sorry, I can't remember exactly. But, um, and then one of our mm -hmm. lovely volunteers collected the money for that. And then we were able to auction that off. And again, all of the money that we raised for that went to never ever give up. Yeah. So, I mean, if I were to do that again, which I'm sure we will be doing it, um, I'd get a barbell from Rogue. That's fine. Even if you buy it, whatever. And instead of auctioning it the way we did it, I think I would have done um, a bid process. I actually think we would have raised more if we had had a piece of paper and we had said like starting bid 300 bucks, which is like, let's just say the cost of the bar, hypothetically. And then people could put their name and bid more. I think we would have raised more than buy a lot of uh, raffle tickets. So if we did it again, that's the way I would do it, especially if you had like a philanthropic component to your, to your event. If you don't have a philanthropic component to your event, it's a little weird to auction off a barbell, I think. But if there is a philanthropic component, I think that's a great choice. Now, if you can't, if you don't have the connections with Yeti or whoever it is, you could find other prizes for the team. But I think just having something when they like, all right, guys, in first place is this. I think just having something is kind of cool. Um, you know, it's where I'm at right now. We're in a new podcast office, but we had this golden hammer that was made for one of our competitions and the team that won it or the gym that won it used to take home the golden hammer. So this is an example of, you know, you don't have to be super fancy with the prizes, but I think just having something is cool. Even if it's just, you know, a custom t-shirt, uh, stickers, a hat, um, you know, whatever. You can even do a trophy and like, just, you know, get the little plaques mm -hmm. with the team name for each year, put it on there like that. Yeah. Something like that. But I, th I think having something is cool. Yeah, for sure. You could even get some frames and, make a certificate 
and be like, here you go, first yeah. place. Like, just something. Yeah. I mean, again, if you're balling on a budget, like these are things that you can do. Hey, you got to ball on a budget. So what's crack? What's next? Um, that's actually it for the list. The the overall doc though, the flow of the doc was we had the you know essentially the description of the fall flex off. Then we had where it would be. Um, the events, the timeline, all of that. Then we had our checklist and then we had leading up to the event. So we had each week blocked out of what we would do leading up to that event. So that was kind of like our checklist, but then broken down into separate weeks. Um, so then we would just have our to-dos that we would have each week, you know, week one before or week six leading up to the event, week five, four, three, two, one, um, to just kind of make sure that we were checking, crossing all of our T's and dotting our I's and making sure that we were getting everything out there that we needed. Um, so then that was next on after the to-do list. I gave you all of our to-do list and then we just broke it down into weeks. Yeah. And, and speaking of timeline, you know, Frankie, what did we decide? So I know the night before you guys were in there doing a lot of work. And then if I'm not mistaken, doors opened at 8 a.m. And you guys finished around like one or two. Is that right? Yeah, we finished around 2.15-ish. 2.15-ish. Yeah, so a little bit over. Um, the day of ran really smoothly. Um, we sent out an email to all of our volunteers. They did get the athlete packet, even though they weren't going to be necessarily competing. It was still helpful because our coaches were all going to be um, judging. So they need to know what the events were. They need to know movement standards. And then all of our members that were acting as volunteers were helping our head coach Ryan as the pit crew. And so the pit crew was essentially, we had two or three people to a lane, um, in between heats, in between events, they were going in, they were resetting the stages. They were, uh, moving out equipment, adjusting things as needed. And so them seeing what the events were, knowing the flow of the workouts was helpful for them. Uh, just before whether they read it or not and then the day of volunteers got there about 30 45 minutes before the doors actually opened we talked through everything we ran through the events we ran through how things were going to be flowing as far as resets in between heats resets in between events then as soon as doors opened teams had I believe 30 or 40 minutes to register and we were really strict about this we wanted to make sure that all teammates were there when they were going to register to make sure that there was nobody like coming in late and asking questions last minute. We wanted everybody there, just like we would want everybody to be at the whiteboard at the beginning of a class, right? Mm. And then once we had athlete registration over, we got everybody in the main room, spectators, um, competitors, everybody, and we ran through the events. Our head uh, coach, John Capra, was our head judge for the day. He ran through movement standards. We had a demo team run through some movements, talk through a couple things, and then from there, it was pretty much three, two, one, go. Yeah, and we had a designated warm-up area I think is helpful. I mean, just a couple mm -hmm. things that I'm thinking about. You know, we had a designated warm-up area, which I think was really helpful because obviously before you get ready for a heavy lift or something, people need to warm up. So the way our gym is set up, in particular Mountain View, is you have one big room where the competition was at, we chose this particular location, um, like I said, because of drop a bunch of different reasons. But the back room, which is smaller, was was used for warm up, and people were really cool, and they were able to, you know, work it out. It wasn't a big deal. But I think that if you are going to have a competition, just assigning an area. So if you have one big area, maybe just putting some cones. This is the warm up area. This is the actual like, you know, performance area. I think that's important. So that would be something I would consider. I think other things we did. You guys just you 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 set it up so that like you had to be successful. Like you guys had a six week out outline, then five weeks out, four weeks out, three weeks out, two weeks out. And I think that setting those benchmarks is really important where you're not just winging it on the day of, you already know that you're set up with all these different things and you've communicated it effectively to volunteers 
and more importantly, or just as important to the athletes that they know what to expect. And you know, I think it's an area that we don't put enough attention to is like, if I'm an athlete, I'm getting ready. So I'm competing on Sunday at a jiu-jitsu tournament. And I, luckily I've competed at a few of them, but my first one, like I was really anxious about the process because I didn't know how to do the weigh-ins and check my gi and whatever the else is. Yes, I'm familiar with CrossFit, but I'm not familiar with the jiu-jitsu. And I put myself in the position of these athletes where they're, they're newer to this type of stuff. They don't know what to expect. So the more that we could communicate with them, I think the more that it puts them at ease and allows them to come and really fulfill what they want to get out of it instead of coming there and being super anxious ahead of time and being even more anxious during it. Because we're setting the expectation, hey, this is what we're going to do this. This is the event too. This is what we're doing, et cetera, et cetera. So shout out to you guys for doing that. I, I would like to add that if there's one piece of advice I can give you on this is do not wing it the day of. <laughs> Leading up to it, everyone asks me, how's it going? How's it going? How's it going? And I'm like, oh, great, smooth. Me and Frankie are like rock stars. This is going so well. Um, we had it so thoughtfully planned out and very organized. And then the day of, it was like, hey, you thought this was going smooth? Boom, I'm going to punch you in the face. And then everything was like chaos. So don't wing it the day of because yeah. you'll regret it. And split the workload. Find somebody that <clears throat> compliments what like your set of skills and then have them handle the other side of the competition. So again, like Nikki's great at all the back end operations side. She handled all that t-shirts, porta potties, all that stuff. And then I was more so towards creating the workouts and just running the show the day of a little bit more on the floor. It made it really easy to run. I know if you're doing it on your own, like talking with MDV, it's really stressful and there's things that you can potentially forget or overlook, but having another person to just hold you accountable and be like, hey, did you get this done? Yeah, did you get this? Wait, what about this? It's just way, way easier to do. Yeah, I think the first step is like, if you wanna do it and you're, you're listening to this, you're like, dude, I wanna do that. Be like, cool, all right, got it. Get your team on board, right? Go sit down and be like, guys, we wanna have an internal competition for these reasons, community building, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And th this also flows if you wanna do the CrossFit Open and you want to like kind of have one night that was a little bit bigger, you could still do it better, right? So that people aren't waiting around for hours and hours. You know, the last thing that you want is you don't want to run way over. You know, people, you have to respect their time. And I think if you appropriately plan, you're not going to run over. So you first got to get, okay, I want to do it. Then you get the team on board. You let them know the why behind what you want to do. Because as soon as you get their buy-in on the why, all of a sudden they're going to help you want to make this more successful, just like you guys did, right? Hey, I want to do this. Okay, did you guys all want to do this? Okay, great. Here's the reasons why. Now, all of a sudden, we create a plan. We go execute on it, and it's a great event for everybody. And I just think that, but it starts off with that. And um, I, I, I think this is have to be, are we going to do this semi-annually, annually? We'll do this annually. This will definitely be something we do every year. Yeah, the fall, and we could call it fall flex off. Damn straight. Yeah, part two. Part no, Frankie will come up with something better. Dude, you Frankie comes up with the gnarliest names. Like, if you guys are, are part of the NC Fit Collective, if you're not and you're a gym owner or a coach, you, you should definitely be checking out the NC Fit Collective, 100%. I believe we're putting out the best session plans and programming on the planet. Frankie, um, along with several others of our team, tests the workouts, curate the workouts, but he also comes up with a lot of names. What names do you have coming up that are kind of unique that I should get excited about? Um, just as a side note, this is just unfortunately how my brain works, but... Um Currently, I'm publishing NC Compete as well, and so once a week, they'll do uh, like a bodybuilding kind of thing, yeah. and I'll just give it a ridiculous name. So I think one's coming up next week called The Mad Ladder. It's <laughs> the all mad. lads. The oh, Mad Ladder. Oh, The Mad Ladder. Yeah, oh, like ladder. Instead, of, yeah, yeah. instead of Hatter, it's yeah. Ladder. Oh, my gosh. We're saving one for Christmas called uh, St. Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> 
Dude, that's good. And then you come up with ones like, because I know you're like a big um, Harry Potter guy. Like some of the other ones, some of the, no, not Lord Harry Potter, uh, Lord of the Rings. How some, dare you? Some of the stuff that you come up with, I don't even know, like half of them, I feel like, I, I'm like, damn, dude, I don't, I'm not like in on the know on this one. Like you had one that was like a three part series. I didn't even know what it was. Um, oh, it was the uh, Latman and Robin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just all Batman all the time. Yeah, Latman and Robin, Latman Returns, Rise Nerd of Latman. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. If you guys need good names for your workouts, hit up Frankie. Yeah. He can definitely help you out. I got you. Yeah. So, um, any kind of final thoughts on uh, on the competition? I mean, I, I I think there's a lot of pros. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know, we could talk about the cons. I mean, obviously, from a cons perspective, you got to be aware of you're going to shut down your gym for a day. That's a factor. But if your members are really engaged, I don't think it's a big deal, but you have to communicate that effectively. The last thing you want is someone to show up to work out and you can't do it that day. That, that sucks. Um, it does cost some money, but if you appropriately manage it, I think you're fine. I actually think you could be even or even make a couple of dollars. Um, aside from that, it's just, it's just execution and, and, and bandwidth, right? You have to have people that are dedicated to it. Do you guys think of anything else? I mean... No, I mean, I think that you, most people get into this style of working out for the community aspect of it, obviously. Um, so I don't think that the buy-in portion is that hard. You know, people want to do this. This is why they do this. This is why they're not at a Globo gym. Um, so the buy-in portion is is easy. It's, like I said, the organization is key. Um, it 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 is... I, I just can't stress enough how important the organization is of it. But at cons, I I don't I really enjoyed it. I thought it went well. Um, you know, the reason it's annually is because it it does cost money and it does take a lot of our time and energy. And you know, we both have other things to do within the company. So as much as we like it, um, we can't do it all the time. And we had members afterwards being like, "When we can do that again? We could do. Can we do another one next yeah, month? Next month. Next month. Yeah. Next month. Yeah. No, yeah. we cannot. But yeah. we do have other community events coming up. So you know, just find other ways along the way to continue to build your community and get them really excited for you know that next comp. I also think you do it too much. It's just not as fun. Like yeah. there's something really fun about doing it like once a year. You know, it's an annual thing. I can't wait until the fall when we get to do you know the fall flex off or whatever. Um. So, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I had a good time and it and was really just, enjoyable working with Frankie. Yeah. And then just making sure afterwards you have like a little power to be like, Hey, what went really well? What can we do better? And what can we do slightly differently for next year? Yeah. And I think we've talked about a few of those things today. So mm-hmm. dude, I'm super stoked on it. I think, um, what I'll do is if you guys are part of the NC fit collective, let us know or hit us up at collective at nc.fit. We, we probably, I mean, can you share that like mm-hmm. document? Yeah. And we can share that athlete packet too. Oh yeah. So, collective at nc.fit if you're a gym owner if you're a coach out there um definitely hit us up or gabe g-a-b-e at nc.fit hit up gabe and be like yo i need i need the documents from the competition please um and it's again it's frankie nikki and myself we're talking on this subject i think first off i think you guys did an incredible job as soon as we were done i was like dude we gotta do a podcast on this to share some of the best practices and what i'm gathering the most is you know plan 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 and, and then you're going to have a smooth execution. I think the biggest thing was just being on time, man. I mean, I just, when events go over, unless it's like weather related, it just, it's just such a drag because it, people are planning their day around it. And so if you're planning to finish at two, but all of a sudden it goes till five, what are you going to do? Not go to the final event, but now you have to call your family to say, Hey, I'm going to be late for dinner, et cetera. So being respectful of people's time, I think is really important. Yeah. Both your, you know, athletes and your staff. 
hundred percent. I would also like to say one more thing, a huge shout out to our staff because, mm -hmm. you know, yes, Frankie and I are on this podcast and we did the, we ran the competition. We were kind of the back end of it, but like our staff showed up on the day. I think almost everyone that was available was there. You know, a few people were traveling, um, or had previous or prior commitments, but our staff, you know, they showed up on Friday night, they volunteered their time. Our last class on Friday nights doesn't end till eight. So they showed up at eight o'clock. We were there until around 10, I think. Um, so they came, helped out, helped us set up. And then the day of the competition, they really made it enjoyable for the members. Um, they encouraged them, they, they crushed it. And then big one here. And again, this was an MDV point, hire a cleaning crew. Well, we, well, I did not. And the staff really um, helped out a lot afterwards to clean the mess up because I do not remember in 2019 it being that messy. I mean, when I, I so hate chalk. it when the gym is messy. And so when I, everyone like cleared out, I could have fainted. I was like, there is chalk everywhere. Dude. There's tape everywhere. There's what? shit everywhere. Dude, just people like just throw the chalk up in the air. Oh I mean, it's yeah. Crazy. They're pulling a lot of LeBrons out there. <laughs> Well, guys, I really appreciate you guys talking about this. Um, for all of you guys listening, make sure to email us, collective at nc.fit. Make sure you check that out. Hit up Gabe at nc.fit. And make sure you're checking out um, everything these guys are doing online. And uh, keep listening to the podcast. Share with some friends. Share with some coaches. And uh, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Uh -huh.